it's like a, it's like an audio version of MTV Cribs. <laughs> yes. So right now you're just like recording all my nonsense, me walking around my own house. Yeah. It's going to be well, really interesting for all we're, of the listeners. We're going to cut that up into a song. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah, it's another one. Yeah, girls them summer song. Yeah. Something about Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Rajiv Nathan. As always, I am alongside Martin McGovern. This is the Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast, the conversation show where every episode we sit down with entrepreneurs, musicians, creatives, and flat out interesting effing people to help us all get those voices out of our head so we can figure out who we are and how we present ourselves to the world around us. In this episode, we sat down with Lisa Russell. Lisa is the co-founder of Pitch Training Camp, a startup that helps founders and entrepreneurs better pitch themselves by taking them through an eight-week training program so that they can raise venture capital, attract more customers, and simply wow the crowd. Our conversation with Lisa was centered very much around what it's like to put yourself out there because of her background, and that's the question we asked for this episode. How do you put yourself out there? And what's funny about this episode is we talk about putting yourself out there is not as scary as you think. And what ended up happening? Well, halfway through the episode, our recording totally froze, the computer froze, and we lost the second half of the episode. So what we're going to do is give you part one this week, and then we ended up recording a brand new part two, and that'll come out to you next week. Before we get going, I want to just let you guys know, if you haven't already, subscribe to this show on iTunes, leave us a rating and review if you like what you hear, and while you're doing things for us, why don't you head over to idealemon.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. By joining our tribe, you'll get the best stories, tips, and insider info on doing awesome shit that gets you noticed. All right, guys, let's dive right into our conversation with Pitch Training Camp's Lisa Russell. How do you put yourself out there? Let's listen in. Yeah. Oh, Matt, this week has been crazy because um, I'm actually planning a storytelling and goal-setting workshop for this big event in San Diego for 300 at-risk youth. So it's this really just phenomenal like experience that's really going to change the lives of these young girls. So it's something that I'm, I'm passionate about, but I'm able to build in what I do you know, on a day-to-day basis, but kind of like flip it on its head and say, okay, this is how storytelling and goal-setting can help young girls kind of overcome their circumstances. Uh, so been creating those workshops, uh, getting sponsors, kind of finalizing like the day-to-day plans. And so as much as that's not my real you know, day-to-day focus, I am so excited about working on that. And so that, that event's next Saturday and, and I've been kind of pulling it together this week. That's really cool. How did that come together? Yeah, there's, um, they've actually been doing it in San Diego for five years now. This will be the fifth year. And it's, it runs uh, with a partnership of another nonprofit, um, Independent Awakenings, actually, in Chicago. And they're partnering and coming out for it. And a number of other people are supporting the cause. And then they, they go to all the, the YMCAs, all of the schools, after the, the after-school programs, and they pull everyone together and say, okay, let's bring these, you know, last year it was 200. This year we're doing 300 uh, teenage girls, anywhere from like 13 to 18 together. And um, just give 
giving them a day of kind of self-love and fun and like we're, you know, sending them home with yoga mats and they get their nails done and like, you know, all this like fun stuff that really gets them excited, but also combining it with like real life, you know, storytelling, goal setting, you know, you can, you know, believe in you kind of stuff as well. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. I like that. That's, pretty- that's yeah. actually probably a great like starting point for our conversation. With that, did you, so you were just put in touch with someone else, right? This isn't something that you created. No, I didn't create it at all, exactly. I uh, met someone else through another, you know, connection. It's kind of networking through, and they were like, oh, you should meet Lisa. She's out in California. She does, you know, great things and, you know, got myself involved and said, okay, I'm in. This is a great cause. I'll, I'll help. So um, that's what happened. That's awesome. I think, so what's, what's key in what you just said right there is the fact that, you know, someone else put you in touch with the group you didn't necessarily have to go seek it out yourself or create it yourself. I think for a while, something that Martin and I really tried to do was create everything ourselves, which is good to create on your own. But at the same time, you also can get very, it's very stuck or very just like bogged down by trying to do everything yourself. When but, the fact- but, but that connection came out of the groundwork that you laid up to that point, right? I mean, with everything you've done leading up to that point and also where they said, oh, she's out in California. I mean, that was a recent move for you. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a Chicago connection that I had made while building my network in Chicago that said, hey, dear friend in California, you should meet Lisa. She could help with what you're working on. And, you know, exactly like you said, it's all a matter of building those relationships and showing people what you are good at, what you're passionate at, you know, um, what, where your value lies and, you know, allowing yourself to be plugged in to, you know, do what you're doing best uh, wherever you can. And, you know, you guys mentioned, uh, you know, creating things and, you know, whether or not it makes sense to always be the person creating. And and creating is so much fun. I love creating things. And I kind of have, you know, um, shiny item syndrome every now and then and say, oh, this is a fun idea. I want to do this. I want to do that. But the reality is creating things takes a lot of work and it requires, you know, you to do 100% of everything that it takes to get something up and going. Whereas, if you're able to just plug in to different places and do what you're really good at, um, one, you get better known for doing that and, and you build a better name for yourself. But two, you can really just enjoy what you're doing on a day-to-day basis because then all the, you know, if it's me, you know, accounting, spreadsheets, you know, bookkeeping, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff can get put to the side and let somebody else who enjoys that, whoever that is, handle that stuff for you. And I think, you know. Whoever likes all this yeah. accounting numbers. Whatever <laughs> that is. <laughs> it's foreign, yeah. foreign knowledge to me. Yeah, I'm no, I, I, think that, that, I think that's kind of like, that's a perfect attitude or a great attitude though, is that there are other resources that you can look to instead of trying to do everything on your own and try. And again, creating is really fun and really awesome, but there are times I think when you've got to just be cognizant of, is this really worth my time or is this really where I should be creating versus is there something else that's already out there that I can just, uh, I don't want to say latch onto, but become a part of or enhance. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So like, Martin, you were just at the at the Moth Story Slam. Yeah. Now, in in all likelihood, you and I could probably create an event like that. But mm-hmm. why do that when it already is there and you can be a part of it and find a and like you got up on stage, right? So instead yeah. of trying to create your own event where you can get on stage, why not go to something else where you can get on stage? Well, and I actually had that in lieu of the events that I put on. <laughs> so I normally every other Tuesday have an event that I run. But uh, part of that is 
getting people out of their shell and going to do other things. So I said we should all go to the moth this week. It's a little more relaxed, more fun than just being in a you know in another office for the night uh, talking through different marketing ideas. And, and we did and the, that. There's always the opportunity if you're stepping into a new place and a new network. You're building your you know, future potential and you're building your network, um, you're learning something probably because you're, you know, having to do some things a little differently than you would have done them if it was all done your way. So, I mean, it's, it's always a great opportunity to, you know, if you can step into some, someone else's event or someone else's opportunity and really just focus on, on your genius that way. Yeah. Martin, you're not a, uh, like, I love the stage. You don't. <laughs> so, you got up there, you put yourself out there, quote unquote, put yourself out there. What got you to be able to do that? And how did you, what, what, what did that uh, feel like? Two hard ciders. Got me <laughs> <laughs> um, he just no. admitted drinking hard cider. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love hard cider. No, <laughs> um, no, it was, it was really, um, I wasn't going to go up. I had done it a while back and then, um, they pass around those little, like, I don't know if anyone, if you guys have been to the Moth or, or seen it before, but um, in between each five-minute story, they have uh, little question, like little pa questions on paper that they pass out. People fill out their little answers. And I got the question and said, I knew I needed to move out when? And I was like, oh, I have a great story for that. And I just went and signed my name really quick, and then I, I had no choice after that. And so it's kind of like I impulsively decided to do it uh, in, in sort of a... Yes, and then once once my name was in the hat, uh, I was on stage. So I will I, give it to the moth thing because that is a brilliant way to structure anyone trying to get comfortable doing stories. That's exactly how to do it is is with prompts, because um, then you just give them context and they just remember something and then they just spew out what comes to mind. And that is the best way to get comfortable telling stories. Exactly, and and the, actually the because then each time they have like a one word name for the event, and the event was called cohabitation, and I was like. Well, there's so much that goes into cohabitation. Like, where do you even start? And as soon as I got that prompt with an actual question, then it was that was that was it. I was, you know, swinging for the fences. Mm -hmm. Did you, when you were up there, was it a fluid thing you were saying, or was it kind of jumbled or what? I, uh, with the original story I was going to tell, it would have been a complete mess because I don't that that story is very complex and goes back over many many years. But the one that I ended up choosing was one that I've told before in various situations because I just think it's a really funny thing. It was about a time I went to Spain with a friend and we had to share a hotel uh, with, with a girlfriend uh, that was studying abroad. So it was a very awkward kind of a vacation. <laughs> um, and so it ended up just like kind of flowing nicely. Uh, and I'd done the moth before, so it was much more comfortable this time. I'm sure if you put the two next to each other, it would have been, uh, you would have seen a huge difference, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. What I mean, what are some of the times that you guys have, like, you saw something that you're not comfortable doing, or this could have been a long time ago or recent, that you're really not comfortable doing, that you're like, that's something I do have to just, like, throw myself, on, you know, on the line and do it and see what happens and what comes out of it. I, uh, I, I, t I tend to do this a lot and, and, and in a different context, but, um, you know, in terms of just 
how you live your life, you have to decide to kind of put yourself out there, right? Not just in business or in, you know, things that like public speaking or applying for a job or starting a business, but really in everything. And the first thing when you were saying that that came to mind to me really had to do with with travel and having to um, just kind of get out of my comfort zone, get out of the box that I lived in and really see the world and understand um, how other people live and, um, I've just seen that over the last, I'd say, 10 years of my life kind of evolve to being a bigger and bigger thing where I just push myself further and further so that I can understand more and more. Um, and that, you know, that that's not just travel and, and you know, being worldly and, and learning about cultures, but that has to apply to everything. It's like if you can see how, you know, a new experience, whether it's, you know, scuba diving or skydiving or, you know, um, stepping on stage, all of that is kind of the same. It's like you're, you're having to get over. It's like this balance of fear and confidence and you just have to kind of tip the scale so that confidence is greater than fear, right? And the second you can do that, it doesn't really matter if it's fluid or, you know, if you scream all the way down, it's like as long as you jumped, you know, you're, you live to tell the tale and it's a good story, right? I mean, it's vulnerability in that moment that really gets people excited. Absolutely. I So I... On that note, I have a great story from being in South Africa about, oh man, I think it was five years ago now, uh, or four and a half years ago or something. But we, uh, my group, we went bungee jumping off the Blue Crans Bridge, which is, there's like controversy over what's the official Guinness World Record. This place claims to have the Guinness World Record highest bungee jump point. I know there's like, there's like Macau, Brazil or whatever as well, but this place claims to have just it. Just own it. Just say you've done it. You've jumped <laughs> so, off. Either, either way, it was really scary. Yeah, it was, it was, two, it was a 216-meter free fall. Because if it was number two, we don't give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, story's not cool highest. anymore. <laughs> oh, man, this guy can't even do the highest. <laughs> so it, it was they, it was 216-meter free fall. And the group we're in, so like my friend who's now my current roommate, him and I were like pretty cool about the whole thing. The group of girls we were with, they were like, shit in their pants basically <laughs> like freaking out as we're getting the harness gear on and everything and kind of just looking a little bit off the ledge and seeing just how far you know how far down the ground actually is and it's basically mountains and a river beneath you and if something were to go wrong well <laughs> game over <laughs> wouldn't be pretty <laughs> <laughs> exactly right so so like you, you know one of our friends you going down but... <laughs> one of our friends that's right she is like just she's seriously just starts like crying and she's like no like I, like she had total second de- thoughts and everything she's sitting there bawling her eyes out and she's like i can't no i can't do this don't don't and like they like kind of make this motion like they're gonna push her and she like freaks out and she, she goes no no no, don't push me and then i think they actually did just kind of give her a nudge and she went <laughs> <laughs> and she's just i mean then you see that we have it all on video and everything oh they, no they, you know they do the video recording of it and it ended up being obviously okay. She's she's still with us today, and she's dead. <laughs> just, oh man, that's a sad story. Good story. <laughs> and then, like when I went up there, it was the exact opposite. Like if you look at the video of me, I get up, they have the gear on me, and I get to the ledge. And I'm like, ah, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. and I'm like, I, I totally want to do this because my mindset was, this is, a this is really cool, <laughs> and b okay, there's a lot of people who do this every day who don't die. And see if I die while doing this. At least I went out in a cool way. Great story. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it'll be a great story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Similarly, I when I went skydiving, I I took my 
my little sister skydiving for her 21st birthday. And like, she lived in Texas at the time. I lived in Chicago at the time. So she flew up to just to go skydiving for her birthday. And it was like this big, you know, kind of ordeal, right? And we went out of our way to go, drove out there. And then it happened to be just like storming and raining all day. And so we're sitting inside this like barn shelter, just waiting for the rain to like open up a little bit so we can jump. Didn't happen that time. So we literally went home after waiting all day and she didn't get to skydive. And so we were so defeated. So then maybe four or five weeks later, we fly her back out to Chicago because we're like, oh no, we're doing this. Like, (laughs) you can't stop us. Um, We go out there again. And this day it's beautiful. Um, You know, it's while it was like 60 degrees and rainy in August, she came in October and it was like 80 and sunny. That's Chicago, right? And it was perfect. And we get into the plane to go and something happens where like the roof, like latch flew off the plane. So they had to like land the plane without us ever getting to jump. So it's like attempt number two did not get out of the plane. And we're like, what the heck? Like we we just want to jump out of the plane. (laughs) And at this point they bring out another plane and it's like super little bitty plane. Like we hardly fit in there we're like all straddling one bench instead of sitting in seats like it's just like getting really like we're really desperate to just jump out of a plane at this point but that was the point is like at that point our desire and our efforts and like our energy that had gone into like we're jumping out of a plane already uh at that point we were all so excited and like the fear we just like fear wasn't even a thought at that point we were all just like get us out of this plane like let us do this already we were so um you know stoked and had already like you know convinced ourselves that this had to happen at that point. And so it just kind of shifted the mentality of, I think, what normally happens for people when they're jumping out of planes, right? Um, <laughs> just like casually when people well, are just jumping well, out of planes. And it's <laughs> funny that you tell that story because when I jumped out of an airplane too, like I'd been thinking about it for five years and trying to get friends to go and had had like three or four times where I drove out there and didn't get to do it. And so by the time I went, people were like, you scared? You scared? And I was like, kind of bored i just want to do it like go already and then of course when you jump like when the guy pushes you out it's amazing and then you know you land you can't process it something about the chance to bring to feel again something about the change What you guys were just saying with the whole, Lisa, you're saying with like the kind of the anxiety buildup thing, and then it, you know, it didn't happen the first time around, so you had to come back. I think those instances are really funny where you kind of, you're a little bit, you have some trepidation about something, you're a little bit scared of doing something, and you have all this buildup in your head where you're like, man, like, okay, I, a lot of me hopes this just like ends up not happening, and then it actually doesn't happen, and you find yourself being like, ah, oh, but I really did want to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, and, and that applies to everything, right? I mean, um, and I think that we, we can all continue to make excuses and excuses and excuses. And we do that with everything in life. But the second it actually happens or the second you're given the choice, like, okay, it's like now or never, you know, it's kind of the, the telling moment, you know, you're going to, they're like we're saying, put yourself out there and handle it. Or you're going to back away. And at that point, if you're going to back away, then, yeah, you need to move on because, you know, you can't just sit there and, like, think, oh, what if I should have, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're either the person that's like, woo, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. And then you return your grouper like my friends did. Or, or you're the <laughs> one that goes and buys a new one and finds a new group of friends to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, well, so in, the, in your case, Martin, with that, where we talked before about the idea of you don't have to create, this is an instance where creating is good where you can sit around and wait for someone 
to do something and keep waiting and waiting and waiting for the opportunity. Or in this instance, you can just create the opportunity yourself and be like, guys, I'm doing this. Come with me if you want. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a common theme between theme between all of us. Like, I mean, the the whole reason that we've started the things that we have throughout our life is because they didn't exist and we wanted them to exist, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Or like this, I mean, even this podcast, it's something that we listen to podcasts all the time and we're like, why don't we just try that ourselves so we can become better at the things that we do and think about the things that are in our head but actually get them out verbally and meet people and talk to people that we want to talk to, like Lisa. Yeah, and, and this one came because it's like it's really awkward to sit down and say, hey, let's have a really deep conversation about these like life questions. Mm-hmm. But to put it into a context that gives you an excuse to do it is a totally different mindset, and, and that's part of the reason of creating. And I want to ask uh, you, Lisa, like what, what drove you to kind of create the ventures that you've created throughout your life? That's that's a great question. I think it kind of, you know, it, it evolves and it, it changes as different things become a priority in my life and as you learn and see different struggles that other people are going through, right? I mean, so I, you know, in multiple times in my life, I've kind of taken where I'm at and completely changed what I was doing or where I was living or what I was focused on doing. And um, that started at a really young age. I, you know, when I was 22, I picked up out of Dallas and moved to Chicago, not knowing a single soul. Um, and kind of created an opportunity with my or for myself in a um, financial services company, and you know had to have the the strength and the confidence to do that, not knowing anyone. And then you know again stepped into you know tech um, world because the financial markets weren't looking great. I was kind of bored with it. I didn't really see potential to move up, and I was like, I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to find a way to move up and and to. Um, be more involved in, in something and create something. So I, you know, helped start a, a tech company that was serving the financial services world. Um, and then more recently, now I'm doing, you know, pitch training camp, which completely came out of a personal pain point and a pain point that I saw that a ton of people around me were experiencing. Um, you know, you, you get to the point where, uh, in this case, you know, startups pitching businesses, um, they don't know where to start. They don't understand their financials. They don't know, you know, how to approach investors. They don't know where to approach investors. They don't know how to best deliver that pitch so that they're not wasting anyone's time. And I just realized it was a common pain point, common question, and there weren't a ton of resources aside from, you know, piecing together the 50 million articles that are out on, you know, internet. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to put this all together and, you know, learn for myself, but then also structure it so that others can apply that information. And so I think that what drives me to do things is, um, you know, both just the desire to always learn, um, which can be both a, a positive or a negative thing when you're trying to start something, um, but also the desire to help others and to help others be as successful as they can possibly be. Um, you know, I, when I said that, you know, learning can be something that helps or hurts you, I can't tell you how often I see entrepreneurs or people who are interested in stepping into new industries get in this this mindset where they're like, oh, I need to learn everything I can possibly learn because I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And so then they get in this loop where they're, you know, reading every blog every day. They're reading all the, you know, news articles every day. They subscribe to everything. And it, unfortunately, all of that becomes noise and more and more that you have to learn. And so then at that point, I think that learning becomes a, a risk because you have to kind of shut off the learning and just say, I'm going to jump out and just do this. I'm going to put myself out there and know that like, as long as I know one thing that the other person doesn't know, that I can help them. And um, I think that that mindset is just like so, so 
dangerous if you don't step out of it or move past it really quickly. Um, yeah, so I love learning, but I also have to balance getting out of learning and just doing sometimes, you know? Yeah, and I loved your point about it, some of, a lot of these things grow out of your own personal pain points. I think that that's something people can relate to is sort of the, if other people aren't creating it, you have to create it. And then as well, if you're already spending this much time trying to fix something in your own life, it's going to make you really knowledgeable about it. And then you can start, once you've overcome it or once you've really been able to, you know, organize all that information, it, it becomes much easier to then put yourself out there and, and help other people do it. And of not, course, because you, you have the story to give people context. And not only that, but if it's your pain point, chances are it's other people's pain point. So you now you have this, there's this common ground you automatically have with people because of that. And so you don't have to feel like you're going at this thing alone. And these people might be your future friends because of it. They might be future clients. They might just be future connections in some way or another. But by understanding that, you know, one thing I realized in the last several months is that regardless of how successful or unsuccessful someone is or is perceived to be, everyone is struggling with something or several things, but at least one thing something someone is struggling with. Absolutely. So if you find the other people that are in that you know, similar state or they're struggling with that same thing. Maybe you have knowledge for them because you have certain experiences with it. Maybe you can learn from them. But that totally helps with the idea. It's not like you're just being, you know, you're stepping up and being put like under the guillotine. It's like you're you're all storming the Bastille together instead. It's so it's so scary and like risky to be in that that mindset where you're like Oh, I like I'm really struggling with this, but I don't want people to know that I'm struggling with this because you're trying to, you know, create this, you know, image that you're so successful or that you're moving forward. But um, in that moment, it's like everyone around you, you know, you have to just trust that, you know, people genuinely want to help. And like your friends and family, if they can be any part of lifting you up or helping you out, they're going to do that. And that's going to bring them a lot of joy. But for whatever reason, we get you know, in our heads and we say, oh, I don't want people to know that I'm struggling with this or that I need help with this because I don't want them to see me as not yet being successful or not trusting that I'm going to accomplish what I said I was going to accomplish. And uh, I think that, you know, we have to just trust that when you go out and talk about what you're struggling with, that other people want to help and that they will help and that, you know, you talking about that is the quickest way for you to overcome it, really. Yeah, and, and I really like kind of this kind of theme that seems to keep coming up, it's you have people around you that are pushing you a little bit. And I know that we've talked in the past about how, you know, getting that push to on stage or something like that uh, from a friend really helps. And if you surround yourself with the right friends at the key moments, they're going to say, I'm not going to let you close off. I'm going to make you open that door and walk through it. Um, and I think that there there is some real just real value in finding a couple of people in your life who at whatever point it is that you're going to get stuck, they're just going to kick you. <laughs> <laughs> they're the donkey. It's true. <laughs> Emil kicking you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but I mean, not just in, it's not like it's, you have to feel like you're alone in that sense that there's only like two or three friends, but maybe there's, and now to circle back to the, you don't need to create yourself kind of aspect, but there are other resources that are out there. So like, Lisa, like with Pitch Training Camp, like for the entrepreneurs who are trying to pitch investors, rather than sitting there and reading all these blogs, and and I, I totally feel what you're saying with that. It's like 
It's that, like information that itis. Struck a chord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin is huge on on the, on the consumption oh, of information. I'm a researcher. Yeah. Uh, whereas, it, like, you know, I do my due diligence, but I I adopt much more of the mindset that my college entrepreneurship professor said in one of our classes, which was ready, fire, aim. And that's kind of what I do with, with everything. Sometimes it's to my own detriment, but more often than not, it's to my benefit where I just, I do whatever I can. It doesn't have to be the grandest thing at all. And that's another part of it too, is starting small is, is key. You don't do the first, your first go at it isn't like, you know, the world stage. Yeah. The moth is, is a nice little stepping stone. It's not like I went straight to like, and even that, like that, I mean, that was a pretty big, but you had some practice kind of like with the events that we've done for idea lemon and the podcast and everything. But yeah, you, you kind of, you can start small, but it's also like a, again, it's like this ready fire aim approach where instead of planning, spending so much time planning and planning and reading and finding these information sources, just do something, do anything yeah. And see where that takes you and then adjust and course correct from there. What were some of your guys' baby steps? <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so I think that I am definitely one of those people who gets in um, stuck because I am such a perfectionist and like admittedly horribly so. Um, and so sometimes I really have to kind of, you know, yell at myself and be like, Lisa, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like move on. But I have a really hard time with that because I've always, I've always just worked in that way where, you know, I give a hundred percent and I, you know, want to deliver something perfect. Um, so that was, that was something that I had to become more and more comfortable with. Um, and I'm still not that great, you know, at it. If I find a mistake in a blog post, I freak out, you know, I still to this day, it's like the silliest thing. Like nobody cares, but, um, she didn't use the semicolon probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oxford commas. Like, <laughs> but you have to you have to get past that. And so I think that you know one of the things I was able to learn with um in terms of taking small steps was one um in terms of products and things that I've always put out there is just understanding that like WordPress like using WordPress is almost an excuse to say I'm just going to put out what I can do by myself right now. And so that allowed me to kind of justify my, my own excuses to saying like, oh, it can't be perfect yet because I don't, I'm not a developer. Um, and so I think that that helped me overcome some of that. Like, oh, I'm just going to put something out now that I can put together really quickly on WordPress, tell everyone about it and see how it goes, like test it out from there. And I think that my own limitations in some ways um, allowed me to convince myself to put things out there quicker because in in the past I've I've put out so many a handful of different websites and things that I've created and ideas that I've come up with and I'll put it out there and say okay now I'm doing this here's the website that I hack together using my you know wannabe wordpress skills and you know see what happens and then if it actually takes off and you know takes get some traction then I'll say okay now I can invest in you know making it look better and maybe getting a real logo or you know whatever the next step is um and I think that sometimes you just have to be okay with that but I think that I've seen that my small steps have been one deciding what I want to accomplish just saying I'm doing this two saying, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to tell people about it, like not being scared about it, tell people I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to focus on this. And then three, just putting something out there so that people have something to refer to. Um, and I think that if you can do those three things, you're already well on your way. In my case, this is a little bit, uh, a little bit different type of story, but 
I look at traveling as something that's just so easy for me to do now, provided I have the, you know, the funds to go on a trip. Because, and it's not even something that, you know, I initially started doing on my own or anything, but I'm fortunate that my parents appreciate travel. And like when I was eight years old, we went on a tour of Europe and I saw like eight or nine countries in Europe. And by the time I was like 14, I think I had been to India three or four times by that point. So then when it got to the point of college and kind of doing your own thing, like the South Africa trip I did with my friend, it was just us two. And then we met, we made friends while we were in South Africa, but it was, it, it didn't feel like it was at all this, um, this large endeavor to just go on a trip you know, to a country I've never been before because it was like, yeah, maybe I had my parents with me before, but for me, it was been there, done that. I know yeah. kind of what it's like to be in a different culture where you don't know what's going on. And granted, all cultures are different, but you can have a certain approach to them. And I, go ahead. I've always been, you know, I've always been the same way about travel. And I think that, um, you know, I did, while I didn't have the same upbringing, um, my family, I have four little sisters so you, and my, my parents were in the Air Force. So you can imagine, you know, picking up plane tickets for five kids wasn't exactly easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we did live a lot of places because like I was born in Alaska and we lived in Panama for a little bit and all over the States. Um, but it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I actually traveled outside of the country, outside of living in Panama. And um, that being said, I still immediately became, uh, you know, I don't want to say obsessed, but like immediately became so passionate about seeing the world that in that moment um, that I went to Australia with my aunt for three weeks. And when I was there, it, it was a huge risk because I was a, a trader and a newly in Chicago at that time. And I went up to my boss and quite literally said, I'm going to Australia for three weeks. And he said, no, you're not. You don't have three weeks vacation. Because nobody, nobody here gets three weeks vacation, much less, you know, three weeks to go on one vacation at yeah, one time, right? right? And I kind of said, well, no, I am. And if I don't have a job when I get back, that's fine. But I was so confident, one, in my value, and two, that this was something so important to my life that I was able to put myself out there that way. So I went to Australia and, and completely enjoyed this trip. And on my return, I told myself, I'm going to go to all seven continents before I turn 30. And um, I did that. And so like last year, uh, not the December, but the December before that, just before I turned 30, uh, I went to Antarctica. And it was one of those things, same thing. I would tell people, I'm going to all seven continents before I turn 30. And people would just be like, why? Why, you know, wouldn't understand, wouldn't understand why it was important to me. Um, a lot of people, you know, kind of judged me for it. Um, thinking I didn't have the right intentions, you know, these kinds of things. But I just brushed all that off. And I said, no, this is something that's so important to me and has been important to me from a very, you know, a young age. And I made it happen. And in that moment, when I stepped foot on Antarctica for the very first time, uh, my fiance, who's now my fiance now, um, Mark was on the ship with me. And he like dies laughing every time we tell this story, because I literally stepped onto the land and I literally go, I'm the king of the world. Cause I, I, just, I was so excited and I didn't even know what to say or like what to do. I just threw my hands up in the air, you know, in pure excitement. And, um, you know, and it's just like that. It's like, you have to just let, you know, your passions guide you let yourself be committed to doing what's important to you and just tell people I'm doing this because then it holds you, it kind of holds you to it. You know, you're, you're pulling your own like Kate Winslet there in Titanic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm flying. Exactly. Jen. I'm flying. Don't pee. I'm not. Step up onto the rail. Hold on. Hold on. 
so when you okay when you did the Australia trip, did you when you came back, did you have a job or did they did they can you? Oh, I totally had a job, and not only that, they like it was like nothing ever happened, right? I mean, it's, it's just like everything else. It's like we build up this fear that like, oh no, like something's going to break and become a disaster while I'm gone, and that's just not the case. Like three weeks is not a long time in in business. In retrospect, you know, it's just like it's nothing, right. and everything was fine. I got back, picked up right where I left off. You know, maybe I had a few extra emails, but like, <laughs> not a big deal, you know. And I, I just all the time I tell people that story just to be able to say, look, like take some time for yourself do what's important to you and understand that those risks aren't nearly as big as they feel like they are you know what's so and i don't know what happened in your case but did all of that was it all paid time off or was what did you have to like take a cup you know a handful of non it was it was not yeah no I, it was not all paid but that was not important but that's but that's you know exactly and that's what i i don't think anyone i've never really thought about that before is so what? You lose like a you know a few hundred dollars or whatever it is because you did you know the last few days of the trip or a few thousand dollars the last few days of the trip weren't officially paid vacation days. Like who cares? <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, I think you can live without that whatever it is, couple hundred, couple grand for having a week longer in Australia of all places. <laughs> All right, guys, right there is right about when the recording froze on us and we didn't even realize it. We actually ended up talking for another 30 minutes or so, but then when the whole thing ended, we saw that we had the spinning beach ball of death on our MacBook where we saw that the computer had frozen and we lost the rest of that recording. But you know what the great part about putting yourself out there is? When you do it with the right people, it doesn't matter if you screw up. People are sympathetic. People are empathetic. And that's what we found with Lisa. She was kind enough to sit down with us again a few weeks later, and we recorded a whole nother conversation around how you put yourself out there. And we're going to have that full conversation for you next week. We'll do a full show recap for you after that part two episode that comes out next week. So for now, we thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Lisa Russell. We'll see her again for the next week episode. For Martin McGovern, I'm Rajiv Nathan. This has been the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Again, be on the lookout for part two of How Do You Put Yourself Out There with Lisa Russell coming to you next week. Until then, we'll see ya. For that girl I'm a sing Cause she just wanna see me do my thing Don't wanna wait in ring Do you hear me Tell me that you've seen her Girl, you're the creme de la creme Couldn't be cleaner She like the way I'm doing my thing But she said, ah, 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 ah This ain't no summer fling So she said, nah, 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 nah Spin the globe, pick a place that you wanna go It no matter about the price, I don't wanna know Make you feel so good, you sing la, 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 la You feel the warmth of the tropical flow Is the future here for us, dear? Well, the future's down the track Yeah We both know that's a fact Bad. Yeah, girl, don't you lose the chance to ever make your life enhanced Do you hear me when I fall out? Hope this year I fall out, I feel so bad
Rubber problems. 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 R